The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest, Rich Kelly, has had a near-death experience uh, back when he was 15 years old when he drowned in the surf in Santa Monica Bay, California. The things he was shown on the other side, or at home, as he calls it, answered many of the questions we all have about being here. And as a result, he's had a number of paranormal experiences since his NDE. Rich, welcome to NDE Radio. Thanks for having me on, Lee. Well, it's good to have you here. So, Rich, you were beaten down by the waves to the point of exhaustion. So t- tell us what happened to you in Santa Monica Bay that day. Oh, yeah, I was uh, on, a, on a raft, a blow-up raft. They used to rent them down there. And I had worked my way out beyond the waves. This is the first time I'd ever been in the ocean, mind you. So I was not familiar with the situation. And I went out beyond the waves and turned around and I was facing the beach what I did not know at that time was that the waves come in in sets and one wave hit me from behind. I wasn't far enough out. So it knocked me off the raft, pushed me about 15 feet down, face first into the bottom of the ocean. And if I hadn't hit the sand on the bottom, I would have been dead right away because I couldn't tell you which way's up. You open your eyes and all you see is swirling sand. Mm-hmm. And... And I got caught off guard by it. I didn't have any air when I went down. I didn't know I was getting knocked down. Uh, the wave hadn't broken until it fell on top of me. And so I didn't hear it coming. I got down on the bottom, pushed off the bottom and broke surface, got a breath of air only to get hit by another wave. And it just continued in a cycle like that. So I was stuck. Hmm. And, uh, at what point did you, uh, did you feel yourself leaving your body? Well, I went through several of those, and I realized I was not going to make the surface again. When the last one hit, I looked up and down the beach and did a My Life Flashed Before Me uh, scenario. And I went down, and I left immediately at that point. I uh, I don't remember um, swallowing any uh, water. I don't even remember my lungs hurting for lack of being able to breathe at that point. I just left. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I pictured myself leaving the Earth. Now, not that I was there, but I looked at the Earth from out in space, just enough of a distance I could see the whole thing easily. And so I wasn't actually there in space. I was not in physical form. I'd left my body, and I wasn't looking at the immediate situation. I thought, I'm leaving the Earth, so I pictured the Earth. And and uh, then... Uh, Ike, at that point, what was rather remarkable for me, and I haven't heard other people say this, but they say similar things, is that uh, at that point, I could have told you every moment of every of my life when I was down on the earth, when I, when I was about to go down for the last time. But at that moment, and out in space, or from that perspective, I could have told you every moment of every person's life on this planet, which is an enormous amount of information. And just to add steam to that, I could have told you that for every person who'd ever lived on this planet or ever would. That is a huge amount of information. Sure. Did you have any clue at that point as to what that 
source of information was? What the source was? Yeah. Um, what, sometimes they talk about an Akashic record or a, a source of consciousness apart from our own brains or our own minds. Did you feel like you were drawing on, on one thing or were you hearing the voices of all of the souls of all of the people on the planet? Oh, actually, I, I've always kind of attributed that to the, and I'll use the term because I think it fits, Akashic Record. It's as though you were um, suddenly tapped in and had a library card at the Celestial Library, and yeah. everything's there and instantly available. Okay. You think of it, it comes to you. Now, now when your life flashed before your eyes, was that the same kind of uh, information or, or was that just something that, um, like a life review that you, that was a personal thing for you? Oh, um, I relived every moment of that. The other, the, the information was available, but mm -hmm. I relived that. And I was still on earth looking at the beach and had not gone down for the last time when I had that life flash before me. I would not call it a life review. Um, only because the connotation with that is kind of like there's judgment involved, and there was absolutely none. It was just like I put the my my life movie into a VHS machine and fast forwarded it and watched it all. Only was able to pick up on every instant of it. Wow! And and how did you feel? Uh, there you are. You're, you're feeling like you've uh, you're out in space. Did you feel that um, the the Fear or love? What what was going through your, your, oh, your mind? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that one up because that's probably the most important part of this whole thing up to where we're at right now is the fact that when I went down for the last time, I was completely overwhelmed with a feeling of being at peace and that I was intensely loved. So I had no fear no trepidation. Uh, that feeling of being loved is so intense. This is the one thing I've found most NDE people uh, all will agree on, is that that's the most important thing you can tell anyone back here on Earth about the whole experience, is that you're incredibly loved. And it is so profound that at that point I had... To go back to where we just left off, I'm out in space, and I am completely at peace. Not only at peace, I mean, I have no body. Uh, I have no senses. Everything virtually has been stripped out of me except, if you will, my sixth sense. And I didn't miss it. It was so peaceful and so loving and so caring. I was totally at ease with it. It's like, Okay, we're going to find out what happens next, and whatever it is, it's going to be lovely. And that was my outlook. Yeah. Now, when you uh, at fifteen years old, were you? Uh, did you believe in God? No, um, I won't. I did not have a belief in God. I did not have a l belief that He did not exist either. I was a declared agnostic, and I say that because a year earlier. I had been taken to church on Sunday, and the preacher said, Jesus is knocking the door to your heart, open it, and he'll come in. Mm -hmm. And I prayed for all I was worth. I want the truth. I opened the door. 
He wasn't there. Neither was the mailman. I mean, nobody. And I felt betrayed. It was like, wait a minute. Well, why does he hate me? They say, you know, he wants to be there for you. And, and I prayed, please show me the truth. And within a year, I was dead. Well, I got to see the truth. You could say my prayer was answered. Absolutely. I would say your prayer was answered way in a very powerful way. Um, so did you see any other beings while you were on, on the other side? No. Um, unusual for me, apparently. I didn't realize this because I'd never talked to anybody else about having an NDE up until a year ago today, or real close. Mm-hmm. And unusual for me because I did not take physical form. I did not picture myself having a body. Like I said, it seemed to me that, well, if you don't have a body, well, then I'll I'll deal with it. <laughs> you know, I'm perfectly <laughs> at ease with it. Uh, I'm loved. Everything's fine. So I didn't take physical form, and I didn't try to picture things um, outside of looking at the earth. I, you know, I took one last look at it. Well, that was something that I could only relate to by picturing it, and I wouldn't know how to draw a picture of of anything else. I did not know about the tunnel. Um, I've heard about that since, and I said, well, yeah, there was a tunnel for me, but for me it was more of a psychological tunnel. Um, it's if there's nothing around but you sense this love, then if you're going to try to picture that, it's easy to picture that there's darkness all around and at, at a, some distance because you don't, you don't feel real close to it at the moment. You just know that it's there that it would seem to be a pinpoint of light at a distance, and that as you, quote-unquote, move towards it, because you're not moving, <laughs> but you know, right. that it's going to appear bigger, and that could look like you're going through a tunnel. So for me, it certainly was a psychological tunnel, and I can see easily where somebody else having the experience, if they pictured it that they were in physical form, would describe that as a tunnel. And did you move toward the light? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was drawn to it. You know, I it, it begged the question, you're loved, but by whom? And, and again, I'll reiterate because it bears it, that that love is so intense. It's not really important who. You just know you are, and it's <laughs> wonderful, and you want to go there. And anything else seems just so secondary importance that it's not worth considering. Mm-hmm. Would would you describe it as as uh, God today? How do you think of it now? Well, I'm really afraid to use the term God because there's almost eight billion people on this planet, and that means there's almost eight billion definitions of God. Hmm. I would put it I would put it this way: um, that love. If you want to say God is love, I'd agree with you. How's that? Uh, that sounds good. It's that it's that intense. I would agree with that. If you said God is love, yes, I can climb on board with this in a heartbeat. Absolutely, I did not meet a God or a Jesus or a Buddha or a, a, a Siddhartha. None of them were there. But then I will say that I didn't meet any one person. I was so happy to feel that love, and when I, so to speak, stepped into the light, if you want to call it that, or arrived there, however you'd like to phrase it, when I got there, it was so blissful. 
to just feel surrounded by unbelievable numbers of beings that were all just like you, and you're all connected by this glue, this love, and you're part of each other. They're part of me. I'm part of them. And that felt wonderful. Mm. I I was so at peace there and so happy to be there. It was as if I'll dispense with the formalities. We'll all just just hang out here together because this is lovely, and I won't even bother to introduce myself because you already know me. There's there's nothing I had to say. <laughs> you know, I was totally at peace with this. It was beautiful. And so anybody wants it. Go ahead. I was going to say it sounds like you're describing the light as a collective of of souls, if you will, or of beings. Absolutely, that's what I'm describing. Exactly. It is the collective of souls, and there are unbelievable numbers of them. And yet, bear in mind, a few moments before when I, that I was talking about here, I had could told you that I could tell you every moment of every person's life on the whole planet, past, present, and future. Our, yeah. capac- our capacity to... Remember things and to deal with things on a massive level like that is what one of the most astounding things about this. That floored me. Uh, we're huge. We, we think God has is, is got a lot of power, most of us, by, by most definitions. They, we think God has a tremendous ability to handle huge volumes of information. You don't have a clue yet. Wait till you meet your own larger self. You are huge. And then there's all these people out there. And they're all that size. It's marvelous. There was no hierarchy there. No one was in charge. Oh, we got to go check in with the big man here. There was no judgment there of any kind. Impossible to even consider. I couldn't meet another soul there and say, well, there was that time in the Zeta Reticular star system where you were a bad boy. You just wouldn't even consider it. You know, I mean. (laughs) So you felt there were beings, there were beings there from, from other worlds as well as from ours. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean to imply that, but you don't have to have beings from other worlds. Everybody there is living multiple, uh, multi-dimensional lifetimes on multi, multiple different planets. So right, right now. Right now. Uh, do, do you feel then that, uh, what, all, people often say that uh, the sense of, uh, being on the other side is realer than real, realer than we feel the earth and our lives here. Uh, is uh, did did you feel that same way, or do you feel oh, that same way? Oh my, Lee, I'm so glad you asked that question because that's right where I would have gone next. Um, this is the thing that I find the most fascinating. Uh, I've run across this in other people's NDEs. They've said the same thing, so you know I'm not alone on this one. They said they were looking back at this Earth and they're saying, "That's a dream world. This is real," and. <laughs> Absolutely. This place is not real. Here's the good news. 
to the people who've never had an NDE and are so fascinated by this whole subject, and, and I love you, my heart goes out to you, and I'm thrilled to be able to tell you something of what I experienced and give you some food for thought. Consider this one because you'll love it. You're not here. You're at source. I'm at source. No one's here. This is an illusion. The only thing about it that's not illusion is that we are creating an experience, and the experience is very real. We're good at this. We make it seem real. And the minute you leave here, you look at it and say, well, that's a dream. So when you're sent back in a near-death experience, you're being sent back to a fantasy. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder what. I wonder why you'd be returned to a fantasy. There must be some importance to it. Oh, see, there you go. There's the hook. You would would be returned. No, 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 no. You're in charge. You decided to go back. I know it can appear differently. It can appear any way you want. You're creating an experience, and you can create the experience that you're being sent back. I created the experience that I was sent back or taken back, um, you know, because that's the next thing that happened to me out there is that all of a sudden I felt somebody grab the arm that I didn't have. And I said, uh, something's wrong here. <laughs> I mean, I like this here. <laughs> Don't really want to go. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> and I mean, so you were, you were still, you were still in the light when you felt a hand on your arm. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So was, was that hand on your on your arm uh, uh, like an angel? Oh well, that's an excellent question. It felt like a person grabbing me. Um, I I don't know. I, I I can't answer that question. And probably more important is that it isn't important. But because what happened is I got thrown back here and thrown out in front of where the waves were breaking. And I just started swimming for the beach. Um, I don't know where I got the energy, but at that point, I managed to find enough to keep swimming. And when I hit the beach, I didn't even stand up. I just kept swimming. And the next thing you know, I'm crawling on sand and I'm swimming. And yeah. I pulled up on the beach and I probably laid there 15, 20 minutes just trying to get enough energy to do anything. And to try to answer your question, uh, was it a person that grabbed me or was it a... Uh, um, a spirit that threw me back, or I'm not even an imagined spirit. I, you know, I don't know. I when I went down, there wasn't a person in the water less than a hundred feet from me. I, I was in a spot where I was pretty much by myself, and so I don't think that anybody would have had time to get to me and pull me out. Uh, the other thing is, is that I went to the, crawled up on the beach and laid there. And if somebody had pushed me to the, towards the shore, if I'd have done that for somebody, I would have made sure to follow them there and make sure they got there. And no one ever showed up. And actually sure. that was kind of, it was kind of strange because I laid there on the beach for a good 15 minutes or so at least. And nobody did you, did seemed you tell, to, did you, when you, when you finally were, Back on your feet, did you tell anyone about your experience? No. But 
for not the usual reasons. Mm. Mm. I had a mom's mom. She she was absolutely wonderful. Absolutely adored this lady. She was so cool. And she couldn't swim. And she was paranoid for us to jump in a swimming pool. And here this lady had taken us down to the beach and rented rafts and let us go out in the ocean. If I had told this poor dear lady that I had just drowned and died, I would have ruined her life. I couldn't do that. I just <laughs> could not do that. And so we can laugh about it. And I, I know some people that have said they've they've had these near-death experiences. Mine was in 1966. I talked to Andrew Petro, and he said his was in, I think, 1955, um, in my hometown, oddly enough. But... Uh, and, and he said, yeah, you know, you can't do that. I says, yeah, well, in those days, they would have uh, recommended you for a rubber room in the Laughing Academy. Um, you know, <laughs> he says, yeah, absolutely, you don't talk about it, you know. For me, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to hurt mom. And by the time I got around to being around somebody that I knew it wouldn't get back to her and talk to them about it, I had calmed down considerably. <laughs> So hmm. I didn't have that imprint of you can't talk about this. Hmm? So how how much time went by before you told someone about the story? Ooh, probably about a week. Would have told oh. my best friend. I think I, I I'm you know I'm not really sure. Do you I remember what their what their reaction was to it? Um. I think that was my brother, and I think he kind of just looked at me and stared at me. And not like I was completely crazy, but, but like he was thinking about it. Uh. But, of course, couldn't really grasp it well. So my first first reaction was not one that I even remember. I don't remember it well. Very vague on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it didn't have a lot of impact, which may be a good thing. You know, if the first person that I told about it had looked at me like I was completely off my out of my tree, then I might well have had a stigma about it, but I never did. Now, when you've come back to a, a world that you suddenly realize is a fantasy, how does that change your life? Oh, completely, because I, I realize that I'm creating this experience, it's all my own creation, and that it isn't real. But if I looked at it that way and walked around down here, um, you probably would wind up in a rubber room. How can you do that? How can you walk around constantly telling yourself and, and understanding and, and living your life as if none of this is real? Um, it would take all meaning out of everything. And since I decided to come here and have this experience, the only way to do that is to go into a... Um, Oh, it's a way of living where you look at things from two different perspectives and you switch perspectives when it makes sense to. So that I try to live my life like most other people do and see the world the way most other people do. But if I see something that is very bizarre, like the time that I found myself face-to-face looking at a ghost, boy, my first thought was, get me out of here scared me to death Mm. and my next thought was well if i ran outside jumped in my car got on a freeway 
and made it a mile from here. There's nothing to say this thing wouldn't show up in my passenger seat. I think I just as soon stay here and face it. And I literally I recalled the old expression from uh, Star Trek, you know, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Well, I'm sure others have seen ghosts, but, but I looked at it and said, okay, well, bring it on. Either you're going to do me harm or we're going to talk. Now, what's going to be? <laughs> so your brain is probably arguing for a common sense approach to life on Earth, uh, even though you have a, you've had this insight from your NDE. Well, yeah, I think you kind of have to do that if you want to have an experience down here that's that's uh, really meaningful. Otherwise, you're just going to walk around saying it, it, you'd feel like you were in a nut house then. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people have asked me, how, how do you see other people? And I said, well, I, I see them as part of me. I, I love them. They're, I'm part of them. They're part of me. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm human, and I've got my perspectives from 3D. There's times I look around at it and say, my God, these people are stupid. And yet there's so much cruelty and suffering in the world. Are we doing this to entertain ourselves? Or what's the reason for starvation and discrimination and all of the pain and suffering that goes on? I That is wonderful that you brought that one up because, yes, I do think we are doing it for entertainment, if you will. I like to use this analogy. It's great. You and I are sitting in a drawing room and we're having our brandy and our cigar or whatever it is you happen to like, and we're at source. And I look at you and say, you know, we don't have any beginning up here. We don't have any end. There's no time. We can't be harmed. I'm a spirit. What evil is there in this world when no one can harm you because you don't need any food and you can't be physically harmed? I said, well, what would it be like, I wonder, if we could? Say, I tell you what, I'll take physical form. We'll go down to this planet. You bring a baseball bat, and I want you to hit me. I want to see what that feels like. So we go down there, and you take the bat, you whack me in the head, it kills me. We go back to source, and you sit there and look at me, and you say, well, what was it like? Well, that was incredible. That was a real e-coupon ride. That was unusual. I've never experienced anything like that. And you look at me and say, well, I want to know what that felt like, and karma was born. Mm. You don't have to go... You don't have to go back and get your head beat in, but you tend to want to know what it's like on both sides. Hmm. So we want to experience being victims as well as victimizing, basically. Yeah, absolutely. You bet. And the beauty of that, the beauty of that, if that's true, consider this. The beauty of that is that this world... Far from being the ugly place that I picture it to be, too. Don't don't misunderstand. I, I'm living on this planet. I don't like seeing people hurt. It breaks my heart. But if that's true, then this is, in point of fact, the most perfect world that could have ever been created. Because you're free to explore, and no one gets hurt, and it's all by design, and it's the design of the people involved. You're here to... Do your stage play. Have yourself a good time. And there's nothing to learn. You already know everything. This is strictly for entertainment. A different way of looking at things, a different experience. It's celestial Disneyland. So you, you've you said that you've had some uh, uh, paranormal experiences since your NDE. Uh, could you tell us a couple of those in the time we have left? Sure, sure. 
Uh, one was seeing the ghost, and mm-hmm. that spun right into another one because I was at a house with this lady, and I saw the ghost over her shoulder in the next room, so she couldn't see it. And I saw it just as she looked at me and said, uh, there's something here. And I said, yeah, I'm looking at him. And she kind of spooked, you know, pardon the expression. She got very nervous, but it didn't show in her face, oddly enough. Um, and it occurred to me that it didn't and that I was picking this up, if you will, telepathically as opposed to seeing a look on her face of fear. And I didn't know her well. I just met her. So I, I would be less likely to know a look of fear on her face, unless it was pronounced, of course. But if it was subtle, I might miss it. And I looked at her and said, he makes you nervous. And she said, yes. I said, you want him to go away? And she says, yes. I looked at him and said, okay, you're out of here. And he left. And she looked at me like, who are you? And now she looks scared. <laughs> now she really looks scared. Who are you? I said, look, I, I'm, I was helping you out. <laughs> and she immediately, she went calm. And I thought, wow. She says, wow. How, did, how, how did you know that? And I said, well, the same way I know that you're right now sitting there thinking about the time you were in your your uncle's lap in your upstate New York at the family picnic and he had on the blue gingham shirt that smelled of Old Spice. And she looked at me and her eyes went really wide. She says, you're reading my mind. And I said, yes, I am. Try it. It's fun. And she oh. did. And we did this yeah. for four hours. We did that for four hours. It was great. <laughs> Rich, sadly, we're out of we're out of time. Tell tell the listeners how they can find your YouTube video and, oh, and your music website, for that matter. Yeah, my music website is www.richkelly.com. Now, Kelly is spelled K-E-L-L-E-Y. Uh, otherwise, you get my friend in Oregon that I've gotten to know. Um, the the YouTube video is up on YouTube. You search Rich Kelly NDE and it'll come up. It's on two different channels and they're both the same video. I am planning on adding some more here soon. I want to thank you, Rich, uh, for telling us about your NDE and, and your insights from the other side. And if the listeners would like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IANS and our upcoming conference in Orlando, Florida in July, check out that website, IANDS.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.